Welcome to Conversation Pace. My name is Andre Leboy. I'm the head of product at V.02. And this is the second part of my interview with Andrew Bumbleau, who is also a former teammate of mine at Georgetown. And in this conversation, we talk about the experience of getting a professional running contract with Nike uh, out of college and what that experience felt like uh, for him. Additionally, we talk about uh, what's next for him as he embarks on a new career outside of professional running. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And, um, you know, from there, obviously, you start kind of looking at, uh, it, you know, what's the next best option for your, I mean, at this point, you're kind of committed, like, I'm going to see, you know, uh, my, what my potential really is. And I'm sure you kind of like looking throughout the country and, you know, you've got different opportunities. What, what's that pro, What's that process like for a college runner that, you know, has, you know, obviously seen enough success where they've got options to continue to pursue, you know, uh, competitive running? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was, I think it became very clear, like, I think after that junior year, I started to run kind of like up to my, what I thought my standard was that I, I wanted to continue on, um, after college. And so every, every decision, uh, at that point, I think became kind of, um, targeted at making that happen. And, um, you know, coach Henner was definitely very instrumental in, in, in allowing for that because, mm -hmm. you know, at different, different times, he would like make decisions that might not be, that actually might not be the absolute best thing for like, the team at big east or something like that you know in terms of like maximizing how many points i could score or whatever but like thinking about okay like what does andrew's season need to be to, to to like help him too right um to to achieve the dreams that he wants to 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 go after and so it was kind of set up to where like i would i would um target my season around i think kind of hitting some of those different performance indicators that like professional you know are you know, sponsors are looking for. Um, and so by my, by my, like the end of my career at Georgetown, like, um, things were lining up for that. And then I got mono, uh, going into my like last, oh, wow. season, last track season, dude, which was kind of like a backbreaker in terms of like, I, I just finished like seventh at Institute of like cross country, which was good. And, um, you know, I think Henry had even held back on that a little bit to kind of really knock the track season out of the park to kind of prove to sponsors and everything that like I belonged. And so I got mono, um, and had to take off a bunch of time and, um, almost kind of like lost that, that last season, but luckily, um, kind of salvage, I, I was able to salvage it. I ended up, you know, I was doing like running and walking combinations in March, like just to get like to heal from the illness, you know, to like kind of come back from being so right. sick and, and, uh, and really didn't get training until like April and in May, I had like eight weeks basically to, to kind of get ready for NCAAs, uh, or like the whole season, you know, qualifying for NCAAs. And, um, lucky for me, like I was able to like, tactically run really smart um at that ncaa 5k that year and ended up third um which you know looking back on it's like man had i had that entire season like i, I you know it's hard to not be like man i could have won it i i think i could have won an ncaa title if i had just like had that that season but i think i felt lucky that you know i salvaged a solid performance and was the first american you know um the two guys that beat me were um you know i think uh, david mcneil from australia and sam chalenga from kenya so like I was the top American. And so, um, and then going into USA's that year, uh, I ended up third place at, at USA's, um, in, in an off year, you know, there wasn't a world championship team that year, but, um, you know, losing to only Bernard Lagat and then Tim Nelson, who was already a Nike sponsored runner. I think it set me up well to, to then get a contract, to get an opportunity and, uh, you know, getting an opportunity, just getting your foot in the door. I think, I mean, like in, in anything in life, it's, it's, it's huge. Cause then, once that opportunity is there, then, then there's some investment from the other side. So, um, yeah, like just getting, just doing enough, I think to, to show that I could, could handle it and belonged and had a, you know, a high ceiling for, for Nike to be able to kind of take the, take the risk on and, and, and bring me out. So I obviously have some Georgetown alum friends that, you know, have competed professionally, but I don't think I've ever gone through this step. So the first step, if you, you know, um, kind of like are looking to go in that direction is you, you hire an agent that kind of has these relationships with these different running groups. Yeah. I mean, that's typically how it goes. Uh, 
I think for me, I had identified early on that I wanted to join Jerry. Like I wanted to join Jerry Schumacher and move, and okay. move to Port and move to Portland. So it was like, like I kind of went in reverse order a little bit. I, I, I started to have contact with Jerry even before I had an agent. Um, okay. And then, and then I, and then real, and then he was like, well, you need to get an agent. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Like, who should I get? <laughs> like, so he recommend, you know, like through that, it was kind of like recommended uh, through several different channels was recommended that I signed with Tom Ratcliffe uh, of Kimby athletics. And um, man, I'm so glad I did because that, that has been one of my best relationships in in my 10 years now mm-hmm. um, of, of runnings. Like Tom is is such a good guy and, and such a, a great uh, mentor and just person that really, I think, uh, puts the athletes first and and also like their their goals and, and doesn't push them to some to things that they don't really want to do. It's like he he definitely has the, the performance and the um, kind of the athlete as, at the center. And uh, yeah, so anyway, to get back to, to that point, it's like, I started working with Tom um, and, and then, you know, then, then of course, like to get to become part of, of Jerry's group, you had to have it, you have to have a Nike contract. So that's a step, like, even if Jerry has said yes, or wants me, you know, I, I kind of have to go through the, the Nike filter of, the, of sports marketing to give me the the contract and, and to get all those details worked out. So that all happened in like that fall of, of 2010, after I finished up at Georgetown and then, um, I ended up moving. Yeah, I moved out here in September of 2010 and just started to to train right away with with the big dogs, man. Like I was thrown in with like Chris Zelensky and and Matt Tegenkamp and um, Simon Byru, all all guys that I you know really looked up to uh, all through my college time. So you get to uh, Portland, you get to toss out anything without a uh, Nike logo. Uh, I mean, luckily Georgetown is a uh, Nike school, so you get to get to wear that stuff. I just remember Chris Ukesic when he signed with Reebok, basically just giving away anything that didn't have a Reebok logo. <laughs> and totally. I, I, I took a bunch of that stuff. Um, yeah, oh yeah. So I didn't realize that they're two separate processes. Like you have to go through Nike's channels plus Jerry's kind of approval process to kind of get, so you kind of like uh, are like pre- preliminary acceptance to be a part of Jerry's group um, pending yeah, Nike's approval. Yeah, and then that Nike ship uh kind of can move slowly sometimes as any big company does like it just took a while to kind of get that deal done right so um i've 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 made the i've made kind of the preliminary agreement right the the i've signed like the preliminary contract but i'm not getting paid yet um it has to go through like the entire like nike legal process and everything so like for that fall um yeah i'm just kind of like i'm living like a student almost still cuz I don't, I, I'm not getting, I'm not getting paychecks yet from Nike, even though that's all kind of been agreed upon. And so, um, yeah, I, and, and then even just like, it took a little bit to get gear too. uh, like all, like everything just took a little time. And so for the first two months, I felt like such a, an outcast dude, I'm running in like my college stuff. And like, I like, and just like, I'm, I'm like living in an apartment and, and eating like like as cheap as cheaply as I can, like trying to eat healthy, but also like realizing like I don't have that much money in the bank right now. So I gotta be, I gotta be smart with how I do this. And so like just living tightly and um, but but it was dude, that was so good for me, man. Like, and I was so happy. I I remember waking up and right as a as a pro athlete, you know, when you're in college, you have so much other stuff on your plate. You're trying to, you're trying to handle your, your all your class load and, and your work. And you're also thinking about, um, you know, just like kind of the social elements of things. But dude, when I woke up in Portland, I just remember waking up in my apartment. I was all by myself. And I realized like, dude, all I have to do is train today. That's it. Like, I just mm-hmm. go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Nike campus this morning. I'm going to run I'm going to do my like stretching and lifting and stuff. And then I'm going to come back and I get to take a nap and like, just hang out and watch like Netflix. And, you know, um, it was this like bizarre, like world to be like thrust into and not have anything else going on. And and I just remember dude being so thankful and so happy and, um, just so excited for kind of that opportunity to to really pour everything into running and just see how far I could take it. Do you start applying a little bit more time? You know, since you have this free time, obviously you gotta have to be resting when you're not training. Are you doing more like other exercises, more strength? I mean, does it does does it change at all? Yeah, I mean, I I think that I 
really started to try to think about other all the other like ancillary pieces to to my running. I think in college it was like okay, you you get the training and the running, the actual running and the track workouts and stuff. And that's, that's like priority one and two. And then it's like, you know, if you can, if you can do the lifting, like do it. Um, if you, if you can't, if you're like, if you don't have the time, like you just, you kind of skip, I mean, maybe you skip it or you just kind of do it as like quickly as you can and, and get in and get out or whatever. But I think, you know, once I had more time, I was able to really focus on some of those other things that, um, that, you know, are really important, um, like, you know, going and, and spending time with a, a physical therapist and, you know, getting massage. And then also like that gym time, just having like really focused and, um, like very intentional time there. And so, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely a change, uh, to be able to focus on those things a little bit more. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's as collegiate athletes, like, especially, you know, if you're at a school like Georgetown where the academics are very demanding, it's like, there isn't really the opportunity to like do, to do that. You just don't have enough time in the day to be able to, to, to like really prioritize those other ancillary pieces. So as a pro, that was definitely one of the biggest, the biggest changes. And dude, like, honestly, it was necessary because I was so like tired. The training was so hard uh, mm. that those first few months. It's just like Solinsky, we refer to that time. Um, looking back on on that time of Bowerman, or it was even before Bowerman. It was just Gary's group was like that was like Solinsky's reign of terror, where he was just <laughs> so fit, dude, and and like he was training at such a high level. Um, even maybe beyond what, I mean, his performances, he had just run 2659 and that didn't happen wow. for no reason. Like he, he was really training at that level. And so, and maybe beyond it. And so getting thrust in as a guy who'd only run 1330 and now I'm running with the guy who's run, that's his pace for 10 K. Like, um, I have to, I have to really like bring my, bring my level up to be able to just hang. So does everybody kind of in general, like run roughly the same workout? How, how did things change from Andrew Bumbleo and the group? I mean, is there any type of individualization? How, many, how often do you guys um, meet? Yeah. So we're meeting like uh, every day, Jerry, like the coaches aren't there. Jerry's not there every day. Jerry really just would meet on the, on the workout days. But uh, okay. as far as like the group, it, we, especially during that time, um, we were meeting every single day, except for maybe like Saturday, like that would be kind of the on your own day, but six days a week we're meeting. And, um, there's a kind of an expectation of like, okay, we're, we're all running together at 9am at this, you know, at campus. And then we're going to do our, you know, like our strength stuff together afterward, like our lifting and core stuff after. And then, um, and then the, the evening, you know, the secondary session is all kind of uh, up to people to, to figure out themselves. But yeah, it was like, it was definitely like a very like, you know, steady routine. And um, yeah, then it's been meeting with Jerry a couple of times a week for those, those harder sessions. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a good rhythm to be in. And, and especially as a young person and um, living on my own in Portland for the first time and, um, you know, with no roommates. And uh, it was good to like be kind of taken in and it's like, uh, like, I guess kind of like a, a sibling, a, a member of the family, you know, these guys, mm. like the Wisconsin guys had been together for, for a long time, like in college. And then, you know, several of them for several years as a, as post collegiates. And so for me, like I was kind of the first outsider to, to break into that bubble of like, I mean, if you think about it at the time, like it was, it was five Wisconsin guys that Jerry had brought out to, to Oregon to train. And, I was the first uh, guy that uh, like kind of broke into that bubble. So it was, it was a little bit of like, I have to prove myself, but also like stay a little bit on the periphery to, to not like overstep, you know, in some ways. And so it's like trying to find my place, I guess, as, as a member of the team. The only thing I can think of is I think Badger miles is a way that they describe their, their, uh, how much they equate their weekly miles, regardless of how fast you're running. I think you establish a seven minute per mile. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly accurate. Uh, you know, now it's kind of referred to more as Jerry miles since <laughs> the Wisconsin, since Wisconsin has kind of been removed from the equation for a little while. And, and, and Jerry, you know, most of the athletes didn't go to Wisconsin. Now it's kind of crazy, like how that's all turned over, but yeah. I mean, at the time, like in 2010, 11, 12, the, the team culture was absolutely like, you know, Wisconsin 2.0 uh, in terms of just like some of the things that had like been brought over. It's like even little things like how people do things like 
for example, like we did this, we do this like uh, long run where it was very hilly, right? And so mm-hmm. like it was, it's a three mile course, but it like there's a big hill in the middle of it. And so like, obviously like the effort to run up to, like in, in a structured run, like the effort is harder to run uh, like up the hill, right? Like, and then it's easier right. to run the downside, right? So, yeah. but the the Wisconsin way, it was like, even pace, not even effort. So like you have to kill yourself to maintain, like if the pace is 530, you're like, it's a big hill. You're just, you're running like five minute effort to get to the top of a hill, of a hill but you're actually only, you know, you to run the pace, like do you stay even, you have to like, you know, put in so much more effort. So it's like, I remember like kind of trying to like do it how most people would do it, which would be like, I don't know, you, you run like more even effort. And then on the backside of the hill, when you're running down, you, you maintain that, you maintain the effort and then you, the pace evens out. But it was like, I'll get yelled at because they were like, even pace, not even effort. <laughs> it's just like, oh, like, what is this? Like, what is this like bizarre concept? Like that everyone else seems to kind of be like full adoption, fully adopting. And me, it was just like, I, this is weird. But um, yeah, that's just like one example of like things that, you know, definitely like carried over from, um, you know, from Jerry and, and I think even like beyond Jerry, because Jerry uh, was actually a, an athlete at Wisconsin. Like that's where he wow, went. Okay. That's where he ran. So it's like, we're talking multi-generation you know, badger type uh, culture that that is at least at the early stages of uh, of his of his professional group were were definitely intact. And every once in a while, you see another running group uh, in 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 Portland. Uh, do you guys would you see you know Oregon Project uh, runners quite frequently? I mean, because they're I mean, and all, are are the groups very kind of like you do? You're kind of with your group, and there's not a lot of like, hey, we're all professional athletes together. What's the dynamic there? Yeah, so I think early on, um, like even before I got there, so the group like Jerry and a few of his athletes had been out there for maybe a year and a half before I got there. And I think early on there was like, okay, these are definitely separate groups, but there's a like, we're all professional athletes, so we can kind of co-mingle, be friendly. You know, I think they would even do some easy running together. Um, But at some point that definitely changed. And I think... I really think that the 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 crux of it was likely uh, when when the uh, Solinsky ran twenty six fifty nine right um, mm. at Stanford at uh, at the uh, Peyton Jordan in twenty ten and it was like that was the race was set up uh, for Galen to break the American record and I don't think like Alberto and you know that group really knew how fit. Chris was and mm. knew what he was capable of. And and I think Jerry even like, I don't think Jerry was like necessarily like, like knowing like, Oh, haha, like he's so fit. He's going to crush Galen. It wasn't like that. It was just like, you know, I think Jerry knew that Chris was pretty fit and, um, you know, could hang with the the stated pace, which was to go after Meb's record. And, um, and Chris just had an amazing night. Right. And he shocked everyone. Um, and, and yeah, I remember, totally, I remember that day. Yeah totally tore open that race the last 800 meters and just kind of destroyed everyone and i think from there it was like dude it that did not i don't think that went over uh great uh <laughs> on the on the kind of like the uh the way that the group started to kind of see each other and, and it and i think i mean if, i'm just looking back on it um i i wasn't there so it's more of just like understanding kind of the, the culture of the time but from there, it was like things were not really uh, friendly. And then they kind of like, I, I think from that time to like basically 10, 2010 to like 2014, things were pretty icy. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, so you'd see you'd see them and be like, uh, the group that we used to kind of hang out, not hang out with, but it was, you know, very friendly. Because the thing with, you know, the competitive running community that I've always seen is that if you don't know someone personally, you have a friend that does, you know, it's a, it's a very small community and to like pretend you don't know each other is almost kind of strange because it's like, yeah, like you and my buddy, you know, my buddy that went to his wedding, we're teammates together and I know you guys are friends. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like too close. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Even at the professional level, like on the circuit, I mean, people talk about how like, you know, you're going in Europe, you're going from meet to meet and you see the same people all the time, even people from like different countries. Right. But like, 
like I got to be friends with like a lot of the Aussie guys, like, you know, mm-hmm. Gregson um, and Carlos Birmingham and those guys. And it's like, you know, um, they're, it, it, it is kind of interesting that that like, and we're, we're in this, we're training on the same campus. It was like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like that. And it was actually like, it was, yeah, it was like, not, it was not a friendly thing. And it was like, kind of like avoidance was like, almost like the, the, the kind of the, the way things went, you know, just like you, you almost just, like don't, you just kind of steer clear. Uh, you know, I think the internet came to um, the Bowerman track club's defense in the indoor track race. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know that at the time were you even probably comfortable talking about what happened, but maybe times passed and it's like, okay, like, yeah, I can kind of like think that this is what happened, but obviously you're disqualified from the, um, from the race. And I remember on let's run, it was just like, everybody's an announcer trying to analyze video together to see how it was possible for you to get disqualified. Of course, let's run just gets addicted to the, to the controversial components of this stuff, probably more so than the performances. And I don't know why that is, but. I think in some ways it's like human nature, right? And, 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 in, and in like, in like the sporting context, like we, we as a society and especially as Americans, I think we like love rivalries, right? right. Like we love like Duke, North Carolina. We love like Yankees, Red Sox. And it's like the, the, no one remembers necessarily the outcomes of each of those times. Those like these really heated rivalries play, but you do remember the, like the feeling of like either defeating or losing to like said rival. Right. And, yep. and I think like by that time, like the Jerry, you know, Jerry's group. And again, we're still, I don't even know if we're Bowerman at that point, but, um, I'm not sure that we were, but like Jerry's group and then Oregon project, like kind of had reached that, that level of, of, of rivalry. Um, and, and not like, not in like the most friendly way. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit of like, just, uh, deep seated, like animosity. And it's funny because like running hasn't really like, like, it's like almost like, against running sporting culture to like kind of like admit that or like say that out loud uh like everyone is like friends like to our point before it's like <laughs> like running out it doesn't have like these like hated rivalries and so you know at that point i think it, it that's sort of like the direction it was going i guess and um yeah i mean again going back to like the the rate the indoor race it was like we we had a bunch of athletes in the race. We had several athletes and, and, you know, it was just, I think for Oregon project, it was just Galen. And I think there was some anger or, or, or feelings about like the, the way that, you know, we were approaching the race and feeling like, you know, Galen was getting boxed in or, or there was like some tactics that were um, kind of against him, you know, that were kind of targeted to him. But um, really, I, I think like, there's just like that kind of spilled over after the race and it's like you know there was a lot of bumping yeah like there that happens in indoor track racing like anyone knows like anyone that's run an indoor track race knows that there's like the corners are tight and um there is some physicality to to those types of races and so um i think there was just like some i think it was not just that day i think there was probably some pent-up kind of just feelings right that came out and and some people witnessed it man like i wasn't actually there like i'd already left and and gone back to the to the hotel and um i heard about it secondhand so i don't know exactly what went down i just know that it was it was pretty intense like uh kind of after that race and um yeah and it's kind of interesting because i feel like from after that like yeah the internet kind of came to my defense personally because like i didn't do it you know i didn't i did not make a you know i did not foul anyone in the race and it was like um i was kind of i think unfair like in some ways it was like unfairly targeted uh like on that end so it was kind of cool to see like you know people really care and, and get invested in um in kind of like what happened there but um i think you know at that point like things i I, I want to say that things kind of started to turn a little bit and, and not be so like intensely like uh, um, between the two groups, right? Like it just kind of like shifted uh, in, it, into 15, 16, 17, just kind of felt like, okay, like 
maybe maybe things really hit their peak in like 2013 or 14 in terms of like intensity between the two groups and it was like then at that point um i think as 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 organ project started to add more athletes and stuff too it was like there was just a there was just like a bigger group of of people you had pete's group that was part of you know that became part pete julian's group that became part of uh organ project so just like i think it just kind of like helped to like cool the cool the room a little bit and uh um, yeah, like it's still a good, I mean, it was a good rivalry <laughs> until, until Oregon project, uh, you know, um, is no longer, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where it, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense there for a few years. So probably having some kind of intermingled relationships also really, um, helps a little bit. I don't, is he the only athlete that's kind of made the move or are there others? So we had like, you know, Alan Webb was with both groups. Okay. Uh, he was, he was with Oregon project first, and then he was briefly with us before he moved back, you know, to the East coast. So that was kind of the, one of the first ones. And then Kara Goucher actually was with us for a little bit after being with, she was with Jerry for uh, at least a season, um, before, uh, you know, moving back to Colorado and, and that sort of thing. So we've had a little bit of crossover, but Centro, I would say is the first one where it's like, okay this person um is is like kind of in it for the longer haul like i mean i I think centro still has you know some good years left of running and so um it seems like it it will be kind of for a a longer time and and seeing like how centro is like adapted i mean he's centro is a huge personality man like he he's like you know got a lot to say and is always jabbering at practice but he brings a different energy and i think in some ways it's, it's been a, a nice, adi- he's been a nice addition to, to kind of the group and, and uh, maybe challenging people in, in some different areas. And um, so, yeah, he's, he's been, he's brought a lot of, <laughs> a lot of energy, I'll say, to the, to the squad. <laughs> you still have that cool black car. Uh, the, uh, I, I, you know, I've seen some photos on Instagram. He's got this really cool, like, I don't know, car that I, it's, it's all black. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. And I know I, I'm not a car person, but I, I don't know that he has that car anymore. Um, oh, it just but, looks cool. I'm like, man, yeah, if I had a gold medal, I'd, I'd I mean, Centro is cool. Like Centro is like the coolest, like he's cool. Like he's yeah, I would he's say got, like, cool. You know, he's, yeah. He's like a cool runner. Yeah. <laughs> he He's like into like gambling and like he likes, you know, he plays poker. I mean, he's he's kind of the closest thing that I know of in this sport to like being like uh, an NFL or NBA player <laughs> or like a European soccer player. Right. right, right, has right. This like other life outside of running. <laughs> so yeah. most of us other guys are just like pretty, you know, either family, like have, have families or like kind of just runner nerds. So. And uh, speaking of, so, so now you do have a family. Um, and I think when we, I went out to Portland five years ago, I think that was, is that roughly when you began your family? If you want to kind of give us a little history. Yeah. So uh, my wife uh, is uh, an amazing person. First of all, Um, she just uh, has a, has a massive heart and uh, just, I think really loves, uh, first of all, she loves me very well um, and has been supportive of, of, of my career, but also just like me as a person, my, you know, since we've known each other. Um, and uh outside of that like she is someone who uh i think kind of always envisioned um starting a family through uh, potentially like adopting versus uh biological kids and um but to to i guess kind of uh give a give a starting point we um she heard um that there was a great need um through a speaker at our church for people um, in, in Portland in particular for, for like foster care, there's just like a ton mm. of kids, um, in foster care in our city. And, um, you know, the church, like our church is very progressive and like looking to help to, um, really fill in social kind of social needs and partner with the city, not even like necessarily with like a religious agenda, but more just like, Hey, like we're people that believe like, um, you know, our, our, our like purpose is to help um, society and, mm. and, and like engage and engage with like the municipal, not just like from a religious standpoint, but like how can we engage uh, with like the municipalities of, of like the state government and 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 be like that fill in where they just don't have the resources to be able to do it. So anyway, we we long story short, we started working with this uh, foster parents night out, which is like this. Uh, a nonprofit that it provides um, a, a respite uh, night or day for for foster parents so they can like have a safe place to to like ha- like have their kids go to for a Saturday and then 
they get time to like do other stuff that they need to do, like, or go on a date night with their, with their spouse or whatever, um, just to like have a break. And so mm. we started to really connect with the, with like the foster community here in Portland um, through that and started to get to know the kids really well. And we did it for four or five years. And so it was like a huge, like once a month, just opportunity to volunteer uh, with, with that organization. Um, and then from there, it was like, okay, I think we're ready to do like a little bit more with this. Like we we're ready to take on like some more responsibility. Um, so we, uh, we signed up to like, uh, take, you know, to become uh, foster parents. So like, uh, you go through this, like, um, you know, go through all these courses to, to become certified and background checked and all that. And so we're like our first, our first, like kind of, I guess, idea was that we would be like kind of temporary, like care like mm, so for kids yeah. when they first come in like there it's a safe place to land until they can find like a longer term family but dude like that plan was completely wiped away when uh when uh, when legend was placed with us uh and then it was like i don't know man like, he just like immediately he was three years old and he immediately just like became um part of our family and um in in terms of just like being with us and i think we were like well he he like we went through some different things with it but it was just like well he really like we want him to be here and we want and we didn't really know like what the future would hold there as far as like you know adoption or long term but we were just like well we don't want we know for sure like he we we don't want him to leave like and, and go to a mm. longer term placement we want him to be with us and so yeah that's that's how that kind of got started and then um from there uh we eventually like you know we were able to adopt him and um he's he's eight years old and he's been um you know part of our lives for the last four plus years and um like is our forever son and um it's it's just a really cool like i don't know way that we've been able to start our family and it wasn't necessarily out of like this is definitely what we're going to do. It's more just like kind of following the path and then realize, and then you just make decisions kind of like with, with the information that you have at the time. And it just really, it, it just ended up being kind of the right thing for, for us in terms of like starting a family. So you, and you, you saw that he has a bit of a, a competitive streak uh, himself. And is there an activity that you see that more in him than, than others? He is absolutely like, like a sports guy um like love he's he's very he's very active um i think his favorite thing to do is is to be like active and play outside and um and definitely like in his sports context for sure and so he we started him out with like soccer when he was four um just to kind of that's kind of the easiest thing to to, to start with and um then we um i think we started playing he started playing basketball a couple of years ago so he plays he plays soccer and basketball i guess um, you know, in a, in a competitive or, or like a organized con a mm. context, but, um, I, he, dude, he, this year he's old enough the first time for, for Bowerman track club youth. Uh, oh, so he really, he really wanted to do it. And he, uh, he, so he did cross country this fall. I mean, it was a little weird because it was like in COVID times. So we had like our little small group, like our pod of like uh, eight other athletes that he was with, but it was really fun. Um, and I think he really liked it. And, uh, I have to say this the other day, this was like month, this was weeks after like finishing the season or whatever. And he was like, Hey, he was like, dad, like, can we go to the track? And I said, okay, like, why, like, what do you want to go to the track for? Why are we do? Why do you want to do that? And he was like, it's like, I just want to run. It's like, okay, like, sure. I'll drive you over to the track. Like I was like, we were coming back from the grocery. I was like, I'll drive you over to the track and go run for a minute. And so we, we pull up, get out of the car and he like lines up at the starting line. He's like, I think I'm going to run like two laps. It's like, okay, that's fine. Like whatever you want to do. And he was like, I was like, well, actually it was like, and I think I said this in the car. I was like a mile is like four laps. And I, and I said, that's like a pretty well-known like distance that a lot of people kind of like gauge their level mm -hmm, on, yeah. you know, and he was like, he kind of had that in his head, I think. So he starts running. He's like, time me though. I was like, okay. Like, so I pull my phone out and have a watch or anything. I pull my phone out and just like start the little chrono on it. And he runs, he's running, he comes through, he's looking good, whatever. He has this like big heavy, he's wearing his basketball shoes and like a big heavy puffy coat. Like, so lap two, he keeps going. I was like, oh, this is weird. Like he's going to continue on. So anyway, he ditches the, the coat uh, on lap two and like keeps running ends up running he's eight years old ends up running a, a 730 mile or what? 726 mile like casual like just straight out of the car so i was like 
I have no idea if that is if that is at all good, but I was I was just impressed that he kept going and that he was like I think that's in incredible for that age. I think so that's really he, he's he's a good yeah he's a good little athlete and it, it's fun to see uh, just like how you know it, he reminds me a lot of even though we do not share uh, biological you know uh, this we're not biologically sharing the same uh, genes or whatever it's like he's so similar uh, in a lot of ways to me and just kind of my <laughs> like approach for better or worse. So anyway, <laughs> that's great. So, so the, uh, the Bowerman, it, it, how do you, uh, what's the name of the, the group? So it's a, it's a youth program um, from Nike slash Bowerman uh, track. It's the, ba- it's Bowerman track club, uh, the youth club. Yeah. It's just the youth club that's associated with Bowerman track club. So Bowerman track club is actually like, it's, it's, it's its own club and its own LLC um, supported by Nike. But yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's in some ways a little separate in terms okay. of like how the like we have we have a youth club, we have a masters club, and we have a, an elite club. So it's a, like the elite club is like you know really good uh, like post collegiate uh, runners who uh, don't have professional contracts, but they're they're definitely trying to achieve at a, at a high level. Wow, I didn't I didn't know that. Okay, and so you did uh, some programming for for the youth. I mean, they they met they meet the uh, competitive runners. Um, you. Do you do drills with them? What's the sure? So I started like I started a couple of years ago, even while you know while I was in the thick of of being an athlete, helping to coach uh, like one of the clubs here on the like I live on the east side of the river, uh, which is kind of a distinguished uh, side from you know the west side, which is like where Nike is, and so like we have a satellite campus over here on the east side, and so I started helping out with that group. But it's a smaller group of like thirty athletes, thirty kids, like so it's like kids uh, ages like three a third grade to eighth grade essentially um and started working with them and and then like as i started to progress with that i got like wanting to get more involved and so i started to help out with um some of the high school camp programming that bowman track club offers so we have we do a yearly high school camp that's in um bend uh oregon and so i i was at that first camp last year in 20 in 2019 i guess so two years ago and um and then, yeah, like from there, uh, started to help out a little bit more with uh, some of the kind of the programming. And this year with COVID, like with the youth club, we were kind of trying to figure out whether we would move forward with it or not, or just cancel the whole season. But we, you know, uh, through some very creative thinking, we're able and, and some flexibility from the volunteers, we were able to, to create pods that met all around the city. So like each coach would take on uh, up to 10 kids and oh, we, had, you know, we, we had pretty like strict rules around all the the distancing and stuff like that but we were still able to kind of have a, a mini season even even with this year so um but yeah they do they do drills they like depending on their age level like they do some they do a little bit of running and, and some of the younger like third and fourth and fifth graders it's almost like there's a lot of play elements to it as well. Like they're doing some, some funny stuff like that. It isn't like super serious, which I think is really, really good at that age, just to kind of like have them running, but in, in a context that's more like play versus a practice. Was a lot like the beginning kind of, of getting them started thinking about, you know, the components of running that got you excited um, or the things that you were doing and kind of reflecting back. I mean, how do you get started you know, when you kind of like, okay, now, now I'm the coach, you know, um, how do, what was I doing all these years? Yeah. So like the, 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 um, I guess the club central like coach or like kind of has the programming written out for everyone to follow. But, you know, especially as we were in pods, it was like, you had a lot of freedom to, to kind of adapt and figure out what your specific group was. And so my group was, um, mostly peers of legend, um, in his age. So it was like third, third and fourth graders and fifth graders. So I was, I was definitely taking the approach of like, Hey, we're going to do these serious things for the first 30 minutes of practice. And the last 30 minutes, we're going to play games. You know, we're Mm going to have it be, we're going to be running during the games, but it's going to be something that's like way less serious because I think their attention spans at that age and just like kind of the way they engage best is like through play still um, right. versus like trying to be given structure because they've already been in school all day. So it's like, how can we uh, be creative in, in creating some like more like um, element of elements of play during the practice? And so, yeah, it, it was great, man. Like I was, I loved it. Um, 
I, you know, I also loved working with high school, the high school kids that I, that I worked with at, um, at the, at the camp and and granted that was only for a week in 2019, but had the opportunity to do that. And then in 2020, this year, we did uh, an online summer training program um, for four weeks, uh, which was, I think, what really opened my eyes to what's possible um, online um, in creating relationships with people. Um, So each coach for the online summer training program for high schoolers had, um, you had about 15 athletes in your group, and we were meeting uh, once a week for a Zoom call, and um, they're all com- completing the same training. Um, and you know, we were having we had a, a Slack channel set up to where um, for our private group, the kids could interact and like you know share how their training was going. And it was this way to have kind of this uh, synchronous uh, movement throughout the week where people were still ten- you know you have your Zoom call that's kind of the foundational point of the week, but then you also have this kind of synchronous uh, um, Slack interaction where kids can really just like be silly and, 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 you know, do what high schoolers do banter and stuff. And it was really great. And then um, we had about 250 or 300 kids uh, in the program. I think it was like closer to 300 in the program over the summer. And so we had this big thread too on Slack where it was like total chaos, man. Like if you had your notifications on for that, for that thread, it was just like, gang but like it was gangbusters it was like crazy like kids posting pictures of their dogs and like pets and then it was like but it was like posting pictures of like you know recipes that they had made from like shalane's cookbook so but it was great man because it was like these kids are at home they don't have um you know they don't have interaction the way that they normally would and this is a way to to really um galvanize around like a central interest of running and passion of running um to where they they're getting feedback from, you know, professional coaches. I mean, like we had uh, professional athletes as, as coaches on, on these calls. And so they're getting to talk with, uh, you know, uh, like a Colleen Quigley or an Evan Jager, you know, we're both coaches this summer and it was incredible just to see uh, what was possible online. And I think that kind of opened my eyes a, a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, that's probably similar to the, the athlete experience. Uh, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend recently about like, you know, training in college for, you know, I've got friends that never ran competitively. They, you know, started to like, you know, run and, you know, they want to finish the marathon and like, Oh, it was like running in college. And I talk about like how we like, you know, would, you know, chat on runs and they're like, Oh, like about what? And I like literally was like, what did I ever talk about on a run? Like, I was like, I don't know. You just like, you just talk about stuff, like anything, whatever is on your head. Like, and it's like weird that I was like, I literally did this for nine years and I couldn't, even recall one conversation I read, but we are always talking. Somebody was always, you know, talking. So you're kind of still nailing that, uh, that experience, um, like online. And now is that, is that related, uh, to, to high gear or is this, is that like, uh, something that came, um, did high, did high gear come from, um, your work, your work doing this? Yeah. So high gear kind of, uh, was, was, I think birthed out of the idea, um, that online community can be really powerful and that there's a way, um, to, to really truly connect, uh, with people, even if it's through a screen and there's an amazing opportunity to, to, um, because you can take away geographic, uh, restrictions and just like in person, um, you know, like the, the kind of the different thing, the hurdles that go into to getting together with people in person, you can, you can easily do it online and it still can be really impactful. And so, um, you know, I think I'd always like wanted to engage, uh, in, in some way in, in helping other people when I, when I started to wrap up my own per, per personal like career. Um, and, and I didn't know what that, what form that would, would take, like, uh, you know, would I be, you know, would I want to coach high schoolers, uh, for a school or would I want to, I didn't, I didn't think I wanted, I don't think I ever thought like coaching would be, and I don't, I still don't think coaching will be my full-time career path, but I know for sure. I think this year, um, especially really illuminated to me that I do want to continue to engage in the sport with, with people and, and help them in their own journey. And so yeah, high gear really came out of um, doing that, you know, doing essentially what I want to do with the, what I, what I did with the high school kids this summer with Bowerman 
and taking some of the learnings from that and, and, and offering that um, as, as something that I can do with others uh, through high gear. And so um, utilizing, you know, creating a website um, with a little bit of, of information about me and like my philosophy and, and what I hope to offer people uh, was kind of a, a side project uh, that I that I'd been working on, I guess, uh, late into the fall and into the winter and um, and then launched on January 1st uh, and had, you know, I've had really good feedback from it. And, um, you know, I, there's still a lot um, for me to kind of learn along the way, but um, I'm really excited to, to start to work with, with more people. Cool. And we'll put we'll, we'll put a link in the um, description, but what's the uh, URL to the to Tiger? Yeah, it's uh, highgearrunning.com. Oh, I saw it on Instagram. So you you also have an Instagram. Um, yeah. So we're, well. so also at High Gear Running uh, on Instagram. You know, you probably learned a lot in uh, in marketing. You know, being at Nike. I think is it I, I, my my recollection of when we we went out to uh, Portland was that all of the closest spots to the building like were reserved for professional athletes that may or may not ever be there. I, I remember like Michael Jordan having like a parking spot and Mia Hamm like. Is that is that like uh is that really what was happening there? So those yeah those spots are like named after those athletes to honor them, but they're 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 utilized by uh, VPs of the company. So oh, I, was... uh, I get I I guess if you make it high enough uh, up into the company, then you get your own spot. I I mean I loved it. I mean for me I was like man like the, this this company knows marketing. I mean even to the point of like the reserving you know because they're an I think they kind of view themselves an athlete first organization. Uh, Nike. And so I'm like, they, you know, they're going to make everybody walk, you know, to really kind of prove that point. Um, but it, it's interesting. No, I look I, like, like I said, I think, uh, you know, being able to kind of brand um, and, and, and market things, you probably learned a lot just being, being an athlete. And I, I asked you this earlier, but is, I mean, being a, a pro athlete for Nike, I mean, is that part of the, the branding um, kind of like underarm? Is that really kind of like the overall mission at, you know, for, at that level? I think, I think really it's, um, you know, especially in running, um, it is to create authenticity, um, around the product to, to showcase to runners everywhere that, um, that, you know, Nike is about performance and it's about performance at the top level. And then that, that level of, of product, you know, does, uh, make its way down to kind of just the, the, the runner that is just trying to maybe put some miles in or is, is running their local 5k or 10k. So I think it's, it's to create, um, some authenticity around, um, you know, something that is going to be used by the masses. Um, so that's the reason that I think that there's kind of an investment in, in professional athletes like myself. Um, but, I do think I think it can be a really powerful uh, tool uh, to, again, like, you know, the more that athletes can kind of um, show that they're normal human beings uh, that like, you know, you know, do the same things that the, the, the person in the back of the pack does. It's like that. I think that also creates a window for greater participation in the sport by more people um, and for maybe mm -hmm. a longer a longer period of time. And so. Um, I think that that brands that do a really good job uh, of that um, are also, um, you know, helping themselves out from a, a market share perspective as well. So, uh, yeah, like to, to, to your point about bringing this bring this up about marketing and um, that my hope and, and it has been for a while uh, for the last five years is to get into to product creation. Um, I've done I've already started to do some work. Um, at Nike uh, on that front and have had uh, a couple of different uh, projects and roles this summer and um, really excited to that that is uh, my main focus like going forward is is to is to get into uh, you know just making incredible product for people to be able to use and you know it's it's not just something in my mind it's not just something that uh, looks cool or I mean obviously those are important like those are important factors but it's also like giving people a tool for, you know, accessing a part of their life that, um, you know, that's really important to them. If it's, you know, if it's the, the first time runner, maybe it's just giving them something that they feel like confident and comfortable in, you know, getting out the door and starting to, to create a new habit. Or if it's like, you know, the, the, the pro runner trying to break, you know, if it's Kipchoge trying to break <laughs> two hours like that, that's also equally exciting to me. So I think, you know, the, the, 
we live in a golden age right now of, of innovation and product creation. And um, so I am really excited to, to start to step into that world uh, even further than I have already. And, um, you know, I think there's kind of twofold going forward. It's like, uh, yeah, like I'll get to stay in the sport uh, through through product creation and, and interaction with athletes. And then also uh, have the opportunity to work with athletes as a coach too. So high gear is kind of a, is a, a, a supplementation to, um, you know, hopefully what will be uh, kind of my career path going forward. And, and I think as Kyle Merber said uh, really eloquently uh, recently when he just announced his retirement, you know, runner, you know, runners, like I don't, I'm not going to quit running. Like I'm, I'm not going to get paid for it anymore. Like, so in that sense, I guess I'm retiring, but runners don't retire, right? Like, you know, I hope to continue to to run and, and have that be a part of my life uh, forever. And I think that's one of the beauties of, of our sport is that it, you know, you, if you stop uh, doing it for money or you stop doing it um, like as, as your, as your profession, like that doesn't mean you can't still be competitive and you can't still do things uh, that are important to you specifically within the sport. And so um, I think the opportunities are, are kind of limitless there. It's kind of the beauty of it. Like if you, if you stop playing basketball, it's kind of, I mean, you can play some pickup games, but it, it probably won't feel the same as, you know, lacing it up in an actual gym. So yeah, I, I'm really excited for all that's ahead. I, I hope, um, you know, people can, can sense my uh, passion and desire to help, uh, you know, others to, to kind of have uh, an outlet for improving their own running and, that's a really exciting thing to me. It, it, and it doesn't have to be like people trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. Like I'm, I'm easily excited, just as excited about getting people who, uh, you know, just want to, to make running a, a part of their kind of, you know, full fitness routine or, or lifestyle. You know, you, you've been at every kind of, you know, aspect of, of the sport. I mean, I remember watching you on TV for the sub two project where you paced Kipchoge for a big part of the, the marathon. And, you know, that was one of the biggest probably things that's happened in the last decade in running. Um, I know it's not the official, you know, world record time, but, you know, it's really, I mean, I think they did an amazing job with kind of promoting that, that experience. And you're also, you know, in your community helping w w with the youth and, um, you know, other individuals and in, that are, you know, want to improve. And along the way, you just made positive you know, impacts and, and positive relationships with everybody, including myself along the way, which, I, you know, I, I didn't get to be the professional runner, but I, I, I hope that if I had, I kind of have this kind of really nice story arc, you know, that, that you did in, in your career. And, you know, I, 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 I know you're going to continue to do very well in, in, in all these different um, components that, you, that you're interested in. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, and yeah, I'm I'm excited that our our paths are crossing. Uh, you know, uh, not just a, as uh, like friends and buddies, but also like people who uh, are kind of interested in, in similar things uh, going forward as as far as a career goes. And yeah, it's it's been great to to kind of get to share a little bit more about my story. And um, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, well, uh, enjoy. Have a have a happy 2021, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk soon. I've been over here